0: Hello, hello, and welcome to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people who are looking to fully engage in the world, uh, share their gifts, really uh, you know, come to the table with everything they've got without getting exhausted and while still staying, well, at least reasonably healthy. <laughs> I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and uh, today what I would like to talk about is you know, what does it take to become your best self, your most self-actualized self, your top of the mountain best version, your version 2.0, 3.0, whatever. Um, This is something that I think highly sensitive people are particularly drawn to. Most of the conversations I have with any who identify as being highly sensitive uh, often are preoccupied with this concept of, how do I become the best version of me? you know how do I move in the world with grace or how do i uh you know they're they love this concept of you know a new idea a new way of being? I'm pretty sure this isn't solely a highly sensitive person thing i'm almost positive, in fact, it just so happens that most of the people I talk to who are also highly sensitive seem to be especially preoccupied with this concept. I want to be the best version of me that I possibly can. How do I do that without being exhausted? Because This is, I think, the challenge that highly sensitive people are really up against. It's not that they're unwilling to put in the work. As a rule, highly sensitive people are super conscientious beings it's more an issue of how do I dare greatly as the Brene Browns of the world or the Teddy Roosevelt's of the world implore us to do without falling flat on my face from sheer overwhelm. So uh, what I would like to do is sort of break this down into steps and I'm using as a framework for this Maslow's, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, I never really know, uh, hierarchy of needs. I imagine a lot of you are probably familiar with it If you're not, no problem, but really what I, again, I want to set this up step by step. I'm going to do a very broad overview first of what the hierarchy of needs are, and then over the course of several weeks, I'm just going to kind of systematically go through each one and expand on it and touch upon it uh, in a way that specifically speaks to highly sensitive people. So to start with, what are the hierarchy of needs? What does that mean? This is not just for highly sensitive people, to be clear. Maslow designed this for all of humanity, so this was his, uh, that was his goal. So at the baseline, he formed the structure as a pyramid. So keep that in mind, because in his mind, this, it wasn't just like a, a series of boxes all getting placed together that could go sort of willy-nilly in whatever order you, you wanted. He, in his mind, as he was placing this model, he really felt like each step in each step you needed to have sort of on some level addressed the step before it So the foundational piece if you want to become your best self the first thing that all human beings need is to have their physiological needs met and the physiological needs that he spent most of his time on uh, food water warmth rest recovery so if and I, perhaps you personally have known what it has felt like to be hungry. Maybe you've gone hungry. Maybe you've, if you've ever experienced true poverty and you know what it is to not know where your next meal is coming from, or what I call American poverty, where perhaps you have a roof over your head, but you open up the refrigerator and you've got 50 condiments and nothing to put them on. <laughs> so it's It's a little hard to be having a conversation with someone about becoming your best self when your stomach is rumbling. In fact, what Maslow would argue is you can't do it. This does get a little bit tricky, though, because physiology is so um, multifaceted. So there are things in this pyramid that, in my mind, are physiological as well as as... external but we'll get there anyway the next one up so once you have food you have water you have shelter the next one is safety security Uh, so safety and security could mean having a roof over your head but it really is just like for example I might be well fed I might have water but I might also be living in a war-torn country when I'm living in a time and a place where there's that much uncertainty I'm simply not going to be too concerned about whether or not I've reached, I don't know, my my most self-actualized version of me. I'm going to be concerned with, okay, where are my people? Are they safe? Am I safe? Am I going to be okay here? And speaking of my people, that brings us to the next one up. Once you have a sense of, you know, your physical needs are met, your safety is... It, you know i mean no one's safety is ever guaranteed but there's some uh consistency there's a reasonable expectation that you'll be okay the next one up is a sense of belonging we need other human beings i've spoken with many a person especially in the realm of you know, of like self help uh you know psychology there are people who oh well no we don't actually need other people you know i mean we can and they go all, all day about that, and that's just not how we're built. Maybe if you really and truly reached some sense of transcendence, perhaps you'd get there. I don't really know, but personally, for my own self and my own biases, I don't want to get there. Uh, as human, being a human really means having some connection with other other human beings. We need it. It's how we're built. So we need to know where our people are. Where is our tribe? Where am I safe in the context of social gatherings? The next one up is esteem. So this can mean self-esteem, so a sense of uh, groundedness in my own uh, concept of me. So esteem can almost sort of be like how I'm placing my character in the context of a story. Do I see myself as a hero? Do I see myself as, you know, worthy and how do I see myself in the context of the story that I'm building in my own life? Uh, But more broadly, it's it's about where you're placed in society. So what is your status? Do you feel like you have prestige? Do you have a sense of accomplishment in your life? So if someone who is doing their work with a capital W, they feel great about the work they're doing, and they put a lot of pride in it. Will probably have a sense of esteem. So, it's like it is part of being in a connection with other human beings, but it's bigger than that. It's how I am placed within the circle that is my fellow human beings. Now, I'm. Dr- this next one is. In what's called the expanded version of Maslow's needs so uh, the classic model just goes from esteem straight up to self-actualization uh, but then there I think later Maslow and then beyond that other psychologists started to break it down even more so the next one up that I'm gonna talk about are cognitive needs so just to kind of re- recap you know there's the physiological that I need to feel safe Then I need to feel like I'm connected. Uh, I need to have a sense of esteem or accomplishment, like I've got purpose. The next one would be cognitive needs. This is the time or the area of of curiosity, you know, a a desire to understand things around me. You know, then so it's like I, I have a little bit of room now to play what's going on in this life. You know, who am I? What, how, why does this thing happen that way? You know, why did we decide to do this? Or, ooh, what would happen if I did that? it's the need to understand and to grow Uh, and then the next one up from that would be aesthetic needs that's appreciation of beauty of music of art it's taking some of the experiences that we have and trying to find meaning in it you know create beauty to it it's the appreciation of you know like if if we're in a war-torn society we're probably not going to be hiring a lot of artists, but once we're safe, you know, we're getting our needs met as a society. We're, we've got a sense of understanding of how we all fit in the context that is this group. We have a a, a curiosity about things that sort of naturally leads to uh, the processing of the data we're collecting. And many people process that data in the form of art. you know beauty how to create balance with all of this and then we have self-actualization so that's the sense of feeling like I've achieved my full potential Uh, that's when I'm when you're a kid people ask you what do you want to be when you grow up if you've reached self-actualization you're not asking that question anymore not because you're done now (laughs) it's <laughs> not like, oh, I made it, I wanted to be a veterinarian, and here I am, so I'm done. I can just go ahead and stop trying to grow. <laughs> okay. It's more you've, you've A, stopped worrying about it, and B, you have a sense that moment to moment you're exactly where you need to be, and you're doing what you need to be doing. You've, you've achieved your, your full potential, you know, like every day you're engaging you're engaged you're awake that's self actualization and that's not to say that self actualization will look the same every day it's more about a state of being a feeling in flow with your own life and then finally there's transcendence which you know can be defined differently depending on who's doing the talking but most people agree that transcendence is that place that you've reached when you're now in a position to help others achieve self-actualization so few people reach that status I would I imagine you know most people who talk about this stage make references to such people as Jesus um, the Buddha Uh, they may talk about um, you know Martin Luther King Jr. you know people who are in the realm of transcendence are no longer looking at the letter of laws that we put together they're looking at the spirit of the laws that we put together you know they're seeing big pictures and they're saying how can i serve you know i've i feel like i've reached my potential and now that i've reached it how do i give back how do i serve this is the hierarchy of needs and If you're a highly sensitive person, my hunch is that this is a topic of interest for you. If you're not a highly sensitive person and this is of interest to you, well then great, please join in on the conversation anyway. But this is not supposed to be about saying, oh, well, this is unique to highly sensitive people. Rather, what I want to do here is break down each of these steps and speak to it in a way that uh, is especially applicable to us HSP folk. And today what I want to focus on is physiology. So, food, water, warmth, and rest. Each of these things is going to look different for different people. It just is. There are over seven billion people on this planet. We eat in seven billion different ways. We all drink water, so that's not really super special, uh, but rest? The need for rest, it looks very different person to person. So, with a highly sensitive person, when they are trying to get their physiological needs met, here's their challenge. And I want to draw here from a book that I'm actually in the middle of reading. It's called Leaders Eat Last. It, it will seem like it's not related, but I promise I'll circle back. In the book, he talks about how, uh, you know, there are four chemicals in the brain that we associate with um, I guess I'll say pleasure joy excitement and the author I'm just gonna take a look here and see who was the author Cynic Simon Sinek, yeah Simon Cynic. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly and he broke those down further and the four oh first let me tell you the chemicals the chemicals are endorphins dopamine blank starts with an s serotonin (laughs) and oxytocin so he bracketed these off into two different categories there's sort of the self-ish chemicals and i don't think he actually meant that they were selfish but more um, self-interested which are dopamine and endorphins and then there are the self-less Hormones that get raised when we're helping others. So that's oxytocin and serotonin. Um, anytime that we're achieving goals, we're moving forward on something we're excited about, every time we are, we're checking off things on our to do list, uh, anytime we get a, a little zzz, you know, like a text message on our phone, uh, anytime we have food, dopamine kicks in. That's that pleasure center. It's pure, unadulterated, happy pleasure, excitement. The more challenging the task is that we've accomplished the more dopamine kick we get. So that's why we get sort of a, a, a woo when we have graduated from college and we might get a ah, from when we mark off a, something on our to-do list. Uh, and then endorphins are what our body kicks up when we're trying to uh, it, it's a painkiller basically. So when we exercise and our endorphins start kicking in, endorphins are really useful for dulling the pain that exercise would ordinarily induce. And having those two things together, if we're if they're functioning on all cylinders, that's what sort of pushes us forward to achieve something to go do something. The other two, serotonin and oxytocin, are more likely to get stimulated when we're engaged uh, with other people. So uh, hmm. When you're holding your little girl, you know she's crying in your arms, and she trusts you implicitly. To just, she knows that she can cry, and you're holding her, and you're just rocking her back and forth. That's there's something. I mean, obviously you're you're in pain on their behalf, but there's this immense kick of oxytocin, serotonin, like this just love, that feeling of oh. Um, when you're holding your beloved, you're giving them a hug and you're excited and you're 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 proud of them for something. That's serotonin, that's oxytocin. When you're at work and you trust your colleagues, that's what that experience of just feeling like they've got my back, I've got their back, we're in this together. That's what that is. So talking about physiology. <sighs> The problem for highly sensitive people is it's very difficult for them in many cases to separate out what can feel like a physiological need to take care of what's out there and pit that against an individual need for some of these very basic things. That's true even when our physiological needs aren't getting met. I know this is true because so many of the clients I work with struggle with self-care and specifically self-care around the body. It's hard. And part of the reason for that is you know when I'm in conflict with a coworker or a friend or a family member it feels like I am in physical pain. And what Maslow would probably say is, yeah maybe that's true but you're also not hungry. I mean not really hungry. You haven't gone two weeks without food. Trust me, kid. Two weeks without food. That'll take care of that right away. I don't know if that's true. It may be. Uh, But in the day-to-day life, even when I'm starving, even when I'm miserable, I would argue especially when I'm hungry and tired and I'm just feeling physiologically drained, I'm actually more inclined to defer to please others than I am to take care of myself because that's my patterning. Conflict on a physiological level, feels painful to me. I, I kind of here, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about here and why it is that some of this can get so complicated so quickly. Let's say I haven't slept well. Let, let's, let's go even further. Let's say I haven't slept at all the night before. I had some reason I wasn't sleeping well. So I get out of bed after struggling to you know, get some semblance of rest. And I'm sort of clucking along i'm not really aware i'm not building up my food plan you know i i don't have my breakfast in order i'm barely with it at all to get any food in my system at all i futs around take a shower kind of foggy and you know all right i got to get this done i don't want to do it I just uh, oh, get dressed, get my act together by the time I get in the car and start driving to work I'm just, I'm not in a happy place because now I'm dealing with traffic I get to work and I'm also starving because I didn't remember to eat breakfast I mean, I, my stomach felt kind of off I'm just, ugh, whatever in the break room though, they have some donuts and they have some coffee what do you think I'm going to do? do you think I'm going to go across the street and get some nice healthy meals and you come back over? no, I'm hungry, I'm going to get the co- eat the donuts and coffee Get a little rush of sugar, maybe a little bit of caffeine, so I'm kind of functioning. My blood sugar spikes up a little bit, and then of course the subsequent crash comes down because I'm also highly sensitive. So my body's gonna be very sensitive to the foods that I take in. That's just a fact. My coworker comes in and says, Hey, oh, thank God, I'm so glad you're here. My daughter has a dance recital I promised her that I would go to. I promised this little girl. I have got to leave work early. Would you please be willing to to cover me for this last two hours? I I was supposed to do a meeting or, you know, run, facilitate the meeting. Could you do it in my stead? If I had slept well and I had been rested, I would have had a little bit more presence of mind to sort of sit with that and go, "Uh, you know, actually, no, I'm really sorry. I understand why you would want to go, but I, I, I can't help you but I don't have that presence of mind I haven't slept well I haven't eaten well I don't I'm not nourished the way I need to be nourished I'm hungry I'm funky I'm yeah I'm probably going to say yeah you know what that's no problem don't worry about it because in that moment I want to simply I want to make them happy I want to crowd please because I don't want conflict conflict in that moment which seems like a threat to me on a physiological level so when I'm talking about this hierarchy of needs, for highly sensitive people, it can get really complicated very quickly because our nervous systems are geared to be so attuned to the people around us and not necessarily accurately so. So when I say that we're highly sensitive, I'm not saying we're mind readers. I am not. I mean, we read between the lines of what people are saying to us, but we might not be reading that accurately. We may be making assumptions that are false but we're still picking up on that data. You know, I see my coworker, I'm seeing all the nuances and expressions on her face and I'm, I'm, I'm reading the panic and I just wanna make her feel better because right now my little sensitive nervous system is feeling what she's feeling and more intensely because I'm not well rested, I'm not well fed, so my boundaries aren't intact. I'm more porous. It's easier for me to be I want to say it's easier for me to be manipulated, but I don't want to, say, I don't want to say, suggest that my coworker right now is trying to manipulate me. Not really. I mean, she's just in a desperate situation, and she knows that in the past she's been able to count on me, so she asks me to do this thing for her. And so I say, yeah, you know, that's no problem. I can do that for you. And this is what I see come up for highly sensitive people over and over and over again. They forego their own needs on behalf of others because, in those moments, they weren't sort of set up to have a way, like a, a sense of capacity. Their capacity is low, and so counterintuitively, rather than saying no, I can't take on any more than what I'm doing already, they say yes more often because they don't have their boundaries up and intact enough to be able to discern when they should say no it's cockeyed and strange but if you're a highly sensitive person I think you know what I'm talking about here what I want to challenge you to do if you're a highly sensitive person if this pattern sounds familiar to you I would like I want to invite you to play with this a little bit and really key in to why it's so important for you to take care of the of, of the system to regulate your system when your system isn't regulated You're more likely to continue the patterns that continue to disrupt your system. And eventually, eventually, that makes it sound like it'll happen in a long time. Very quickly, you'll get exhausted. And you get into this trap where it's like, I desperately want to help the world and I want to become my best self. But damn it, I'm just so exhausted. Why? Why? I want energy. I want you know, and a lot of times when I speak to you know people in this in this area, they'll say, I'm, "You know, I'm overweight, and I'm I'm tired, and I, I feel stuck, and I'm frustrated, and I'm angry, and I know I should be better. I know I should take better care of myself. I know that, and but, but I have all these other things that's also vying for my attention, and I also want to be an artist, and I want to be I want to sing, and I want to dance, and I, I want to reach transcendence, and I want all of these things." But I'm so tired. <laughs> like, I just I'm exhausted. How do I do all of this? And so I if that sounds familiar to you, if you want energy, if you want to be your best self, if you want to to reach that place of transcendence the way so many highly sensitives in particular want to do, you've got to start with your foundation. You have to start with your system. So, what does that mean for you specifically? I kind of want to break this down into bite-sized, doable steps, things that you can actually do rather than just continue to talk in fluffy terms. A lot of what I'm going to talk about right now is going to be in the realm of you know, food, nutrition, uh, as well as movement and then rest, so um, I'll break this down step by step. <laughs> so first thing that you want to do try and avoid foods that are high in caffeine why did I jump straight there well highly sensitive people have a tendency to agree to do more stuff than they probably should and then they get exhausted so when you're exhausted what do you do well you can make a choice you can either choose to say no to the thing that's exhausting you or you can Try and bring in something that will support you to continue doing the thing that's exhausting you a lot of highly sensitive[s] will go for caffeine the problem is caffeine has a more intense impact on a highly sensitive system you're more likely to get that sensation of being tired but wired so even if you haven't had a good night's sleep the night before i would say in fact i know this is counterintuitive Especially when you have not slept well the night before, do not drink coffee. I know you want it. It's delicious. They put delicious sugary goodness in it at any coffee shop that you go to. Avoid the temptation if you can. If you can't, and it's just like, oh, F you, buddy, I need my coffee, okay, fine. But here's something I would advocate for you doing in addition. For every serving of caffeine that you drink, Drink at least twice that of water. So let's say you you went to Starbucks or Pete's or Seattle Coffee or wherever you went to Panama Bay. I don't care. Y- you have a nice 12 ounce cup, and it's got whatever, maybe it even had milk and sugar and whatever added to it. So it's not even all coffee. I don't care. I want you to count that as a 12 ounce you know serving of a caffeine beverage. You need to now drink 24 ounces of water. So what you're trying to do there is support your system in detoxing it out. And if you want to even take it to the next level, let's say you want caffeine, you need a little bit of a kick, but you don't want that tired but wired sensation, and you don't want the caffeine to be in your system so long that by 10 o'clock that same night you're still not sleeping. Very common with highly sensitive people, by the way. We don't do well with coffee. We're cheap dates. Uh, a better option would actually be green tea. Green tea's got this cool thing where if it has caffeine, but it also has L-theanine in it. You will not be quizzed on this later. Um, L-theanine is a calming agent, so that's part of why a lot of teas leave you feeling energized but still kind of grounded. So green tea, in particular, because of where it sits on the you know the, the growth process or oxidation process, and, you know because it's all tea is basically the same tea leaf, but you just aged it differently. Green tea has the highest concentration of L-theanine. So it's a really nice tool to reach for so that you have that sense of feeling grounded even as you're energized. But once again, if you gotta have your coffee, just drink a ton of water. And speaking of water, in general, you would actually want to consume as much water as possible Highly sensitive people tend to do particularly well when they're better hydrated. When we aren't properly hydrated, we crave food more often, especially when we're emotionally triggered because food is soothing. When you consume food, it kicks off the dopamine center, which feels nice. Very nice. So if you're well hydrated though, your body is less likely to confuse thirst for hunger. So. Again, number one, try and avoid caffeine or if you're going to consume it, number, the next thing down would be try and go for caffeine sources that are better serving you like tea. And then finally, if you have to have your caffeine, fine, no biggie, but drink as much water as you can because that'll help support your system in getting it out. It'll also make you feel more uh, energized. You won't feel that tired, but wired, but you might be a little bit more sort of stable. And if you drink enough water, what does that look like? Does it look like 64 ounces? Does it look like a specific number? I usually give this rule. I say take your weight in pounds. Divide that number by two. That number is about how many ounces that you should be drinking a day. So if you're talking about a 150 pound person, 150 divided by 2 is 75. Try and consume about 75 ounces of water. If you had a caffeinated beverage, you would drink that plus the twice amount that you had of caffeine. So let's say I'm a 150 pound person, that's 75 ounces of water. But then I had a cup of coffee. I need to drink 16 ounces of water to counter the 8 ounces of coffee. So now it's 75 plus 16. You cannot drink enough water. Well. I'm sure someone's drank too much. I know that's a thing, but it's really hard to drink too much water. Drink water. Highly sensitive people, all people should, but HSPs in particular do well with this. Because if you're able to do that, you may find that you have less cravings for junk food. Which brings me to junk food. (laughs) This is number three. Number one, no caffeine unless you want to drink a ton of water. Number two, by the way, drink a lot of water, and now number three. Avoid highly processed foods if you can. Processed foods hijack the body. They behave a lot like cocaine, actually. There's a research I have to back this up, if you don't believe me, and it particularly seems to do that with a highly sensitive system. So there you have it. What counts as a processed food? It's processed food when you look at the ingredients and you can't pronounce them all. It's processed food if it's white and fluffy. (laughs) So your fluffy breads, your pastas, your whatever. It's processed food if there's sugar in the first three ingredients. So what doesn't count as a processed food? Your great-great-grandmother would recognize it. You can pronounce and identify the ingredients in it. Um, It came from a whole food source. So peanut, chicken, (laughs) broccoli, uh, it's a single ingredient. So, processed stuff, you can't pronounce it or identify. Not processed stuff, your great great grandmother would even be able to process it or, you know, uh, pronounce and identify it. Moving on. It's not just that you want the foods that you consume to be um, whole foods. By the way, I'm not saying you need to go to whole foods. What I mean is a whole food. Just to be clear. Anyway, um, you also want to try to the best of your ability to balance the contents in each meal. And balance really just looks like these two things. Number one, you want there to be some protein. That's gonna come from your meat, your dairy, your eggs, nuts, seeds, legumes, you know, your beans, uh, soy, things like that. In a snack, you want 10 grams you 6 to 10 grams and a meal 10 to 20 grams so a snack would look like a hard-boiled egg a meal would maybe be two eggs scrambled you know it doesn't have to be anything fancy you wanna combine that protein with something that's got some fiber in it ideally a fruit or a vegetable so you just want those two things in every snack and meal you want them because the protein helps your adrenal glands Your adrenal glands are the ones responsible for taking care of you when you're stressed. Remember, your highly sensitive little nervous system is going to be activated more often. So that means it's going to be producing cortisol and adrenaline more frequently and it's going to produce those hormones at a lower level of stimulus. So the average person might get a little, you know, cortisol kick with a very loud noise and a crashing car beside them, whereas a highly sensitive person may get the same level of a cortisol boost from jarring music. You know, so it's it's just, the reaction is the same, it's just there's a lower threshold for a highly sensitive person. So that's all the more reason to be really consistent with keeping your meals balanced and nourishing your body. So that's what the protein does the fiber helps your gut. I'm sure you've heard about um, probiotics. Now, yeah. oh, eat Greek yogurt, it's so good for you. Um, it might be, unless you're dairy intolerant, so please, you don't feel like you gotta do that, but probiotics are great. That's when you're consuming the actual friendly bacteria, and it reintroduces it into your belly and your gut then has a healthier balance of flora in it the ecosystem is more resilient and when your gut is in a better shape you can better absorb the nutrients of your food your immune system is more resilient and your gut brain connection is more attuned intact so having a healthy gut flora is just i cannot express enough how important it is Things that disrupt that balance include processed foods, remember I said to avoid that, high sugar and high caffeine, hmm, remember I mentioned that too, stress. And remember, highly sensitive nervous systems are just more sensitive to stress. It's not the end of the world. It's not like, oh, well, then you're doomed. It's just, oh, it's true of you, so take care of you. So fiber i mentioned all that stuff about the probiotics fiber is what feeds the healthy bacteria in your gut so the protein helps your adrenal glands the fiber helps your gut makes you feel full and satisfied and it helps keep your the ecosystem you know happy which means a better immune system and means more resilience to stress so yay fiber And that's, I'm trying to get get a sense of anything else I should talk about with regard to food. I think I'm just going to stop it there with food. Otherwise, I'm going to go a little wild. The next piece I want to say for your physiology, you got to move. Highly sensitive people are more likely to get stimulated by stress. I've said this a number of times in the past. I'll keep saying it, and I've said it a number of times in this podcast. So what takes away cortisol? exercise. So every time you move your body, what you're basically doing is using your stress to your benefit. So if you're feeling tense, if you're feeling your muscles contract, if you're feeling overwhelmed, just pace. You don't have to be doing marathons out there, just move. This is actually one of the reasons why some of these pedometers they have out there now, I mean, my god, they can count your heart rate, they can tell you when you should be breathing. They can. It's insane what these things can do. If you can't do a massive exercise regimen, you know, just get something like a pedometer and just get a baseline. How much movement do you get in a day right now? About how many steps do you get? And then let's say it's 2,000. Say it's, you're only getting like 2,000 steps a day. Okay, so push it a little bit. Play with it. Try and get three. Try and get four. You know, just incrementally go up and just see where you're at now and gradually move it up. You know, it's not, it doesn't, movement shouldn't be about punishment. It's about release. It's about play. So move your body because every time you move your body, what happens? Endorphins kick in. Remember I mentioned that endorphins kick in that, that relieves the sense of pain, of frustration, and a little bit of dopamine kicks in. So there's that. (laughs) So you're taking care of that, you're taking care of your system, you're regulating it. And when you do that, you're better able to navigate and, and connect and, you know, be your best self. You, even though you're spending energy on movement, you're getting more energy on top, like in return. So don't feel like you have to go hog wild and running marathons, just pace or move. Get a hairbrush out and dance to music and sing like it's your microphone. I don't care, just whatever feels good. If you don't like, here's the hint, best exercise to do, the one you like. That's all I'm saying. And the final one I'll say in terms of taking care of your physiology is rest. Rest is so important for highly sensitive people, it's important for everyone. But HSPs in particular, their little brains are processing a lot of nuance and data. And if you don't take a moment to breathe and rest and relax, you won't process it well. You're more likely to misread things. You're more likely to, uh, to get aggravated. Um, you stir up conflict when, you d- when there doesn't need to be any conflict. You're more likely to, to feel victimized when there's no need for that. So, what does rest look like? I don't know. Uh, it depends on you. But here's what I will say: you want it to be something that you can focus on for an extended period of time with ease. So you can that can be doing the dishes. You know, anything that has you focused on a thing. I actually enjoy that because there's the warm water. I'm, I'm like I'm completing a task, so I don't feel lazy but it's mindless, so I can just sort of slowly wash the dishes. It feels great. Um, I might sit quietly and watch my breath. Sometimes I'm in the space where I can just go straight into something along those lines, which is like sort of a classic meditation. Maybe it's a walk. You know, movement can be meditation. It can be rest as well. Maybe it's lying down and staring up at the ceiling. Maybe it's listening to your favorite music and just sort of allowing your brain to do whatever it will. Uh, maybe it's journaling, you know. So rest can look different. It really what it depends on what rest looks like for you. But it is absolutely imperative that you do it. So let's say for example in the example I gave, I didn't sleep, right? So I I'm starting off the day without enough rest. What I really need to do on a day like that is slow way down really be deliberate about what I eat you know balance my blood sugar a little bit of protein a little bit of fiber eat regularly every couple of hours drinking plenty of water so that I'm you know optimizing my system as well as I can and then any opportunity that I get just go off into a private room and just take two minutes okay yeah and then come back out whatever you whatever it takes and if you don't have that if that's not an option for you just wherever it is you are here's a great tool take a deep breath in about four seconds and hold for five. One, two, three, four, five, and exhale for six and just repeat that you know even if you can't leave your desk or wherever it is you're working if you're driving, whatever it is you can't get out, just, just access your breath, because that too can be a kind of rest. So I gave a whole bunch of stuff today, <laughs> like, a whole bunch, and it was all about getting in with the physiology and sort of working from that space. I can't say enough how important it is to, to regulate your system. If you don't have a regulated system, it's so much harder to get to that best version of yourself. I personally, in my own experience, would tell you it's impossible. I'm just, I'm not my best self when I'm overwhelmed and I'm exhausted. So now, (laughs) when I end today, (laughs) since I gave so much, I would love for you to, to sort of be playing with what is it that you think would be a really easy, simple goal to try and play with for this week, just this week? Um would it look like playing with movement you know maybe you have a binometer already and you wanna challenge yourself to get to 5,000 steps 10,000 steps you know you can do something silly and light and fun like that uh, you can d- make a goal to drink more water so maybe set a goal like, I'm gonna drink 8 cups of water every day and just tick it off you know just something small and light and fun uh, and just see how you feel. See how your energy is. So just pay attention. Do you feel better? Do you feel exactly the same? You know, what is a specific goal that you can play with and experiment with for this week? Um, and if you're having any trouble with that, please give me a call. Like I, 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 I do life coaching. I do health coaching. I would absolutely love to chat with you. Um, I'd be happily, happy to do, you know, anyone on the show, if you send me an email at uh, leahburkhart360 at gmail.com. Uh, and let me know that you heard me on the show. I will give you a complimentary coaching session um, and we'll just, we'll talk a little bit about something you want to put together. So um, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have questions and take good care.